When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're live. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome to West Live Pod, a podcast about WVU, the Big 12, and Pittsburgh traffic. I'm Joel Bracken at WB Stats Guy. He is Jordan Pinto. At game day shorts, Jordan, how are we doing today? Uh, today I'm doing okay. Uh, Friday, you know, late Thursday, not so much. But today, today I'm good. I've bounced back. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the the post game recovery hasn't been as bad as I thought. I obviously a game you want to win and one you you feel like you might have left on the table, but optimism i think is is kind of ringing through and and that's what i'm gonna gonna try to focus on yeah it's uh, lots of good things to be excited about that's what i was gonna say it's weird right where you're you come out of a game that you lose and especially lose kind of the way that we did and um i don't know it's weird It, it kind of validated a lot of the things that that i think we were hopeful about um and you know to the point that i'm probably even more optimistic now than i than i was headed into the game so you know if you, uh, I think kind of my big takeaway, the, the thing that I've been telling myself and, and, you know, this needs to be true to, uh, support my worldview of us being a good football team. But if you subscribe to the idea that Pitt's a good football team, then, then we definitely are right. Cause we had that one in our hands, um, with six minutes to go up seven, um, and just, you know, let it get away. But no, I think we're, I mean, hard to come out of that game thinking that we're not a good, a good football team. Yeah. It's first game of the season. Lots of things to improve on. Every team can say that, um, but overall, overall happy with how the team played and, and a lot to to look forward for this year. Um, so for for this episode, West by Pod, we're going to be doing a little bit of a pit recap, talking about some of the the big points from the game and some of the players um, that had some significant contributions. But then we're going to do a, a little Big Twelve recap and looking forward to next week. There are some fun Big Twelve games, and then we are going to break down Kansas. Uh, West Virginia is opening up Big 12 play and taking on the Jayhawks in Morgantown next week. So a big bounce back opportunity. Um, But yeah, so first we're going to start with Pitt. Um, So yeah, I I would say impression of the team and maybe just impression of the game. Uh, It was painful to to lose a rivalry game, but in a weird way, that's fun that you would just have like games that mean that much anymore. Um, yeah. it's just fun to, to get invested and, and be in an atmosphere like that. Um, I will give credit the, uh, the pit atmosphere 
Um, I, I think it was fueled from both sides, but that was a really fun game to be at. For sure, for sure. You know, it was, it was a it was a fun day to tailgate. The weather was fantastic. I think it probably got a little hotter than we wanted, but you know, there was certainly plenty of time to uh, to pregame, get your spirits, get your spirits uh, literally and figuratively uh, riding high. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, there was the the big story before the game about the 75-25 uh, split in favor of WVU. I think we all kind of knew that that wouldn't be the case. Um, but but you know, that was that was a, an adult football atmosphere. Um, I don't know if there were quite 70,000 people in the stadium. I'm sure that th- that's how many tickets they sold. I'd say there were probably, you know, a couple thousand seats open. Um, and I don't know, what would you say the split was? Maybe like 65-35, 70-30 pit? Um, I think, yeah, I think in that neighborhood. So I was in one yeah. of the top decks opposite of the broadcast side. So I couldn't really see a lot under the deck for me. I think where I was sitting was predominantly West Virginia fans, but yeah. um, I was looking across and, and you know, obviously the student section, you know, the, the pit side was, was very loud. Um, but I think we held our own. I think, you know, the, the sweet Caroline at the end of third quarter, that was one of my top like college football moments ever. I think that was really fun. Um, it was, great yeah, game. It was good stuff. And just, yeah, it was just like a scream off from both fan bases. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, a a super fun, uh, you know, I kind of, we, I think last week on the, on the preview pod, we kind of talked about that 2018, uh, Texas game kind of being our last really iconic moment. Um, a lot of similarities between the, uh, the two games. I felt like, you know, super back and forth, a lot of, a lot of good plays both ways, a lot of, a lot of bad plays both ways, I guess you might say a lot of mistakes. Um, and the, you know, obviously the, the only difference is, is the obvious one that we, uh, that we didn't come out on top, but I think overall it was a really uh, fun day. I don't know. I went, uh, not the night of, but, but the next morning as I was kind of, you know, one bloodshot eye open looking through my phone and stuff and, and read it and social media and everybody, you know, it seemed like everybody really enjoyed the game. Neutral fans thought it was an awesome game, awesome atmosphere. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, great experience. I think maybe what one of the top three bad losses of, of my lifetime, just, you know, with the way that things played out and the, the scenario, uh, like I said, with six minutes left up a score, um, you know, tough one to swallow, but glad I was there for it, for sure. Agreed. Glad I was there. And yeah, tremendous atmosphere. College football is awesome. Backyard brawl is awesome. Um, it's just, yep. you know, this is what it's all about. So this is why people love the sport so much. Um, so, you know, one thing, Jordan, if I told you before the game that West Virginia was going to rush for almost 200 yards, they were yep. going to block a punt, um, you know, clean up the special teams problems on kickoffs and JT Daniels was going to be everything is advertised. I think we both would be finding a, a, finding a bookie and, and putting some money in. Yeah, definitely would have signed up. Definitely would have signed up for it. That, and that's kind of what I was uh, alluding to. You know, like some of the questions we had, like, are we, are we going to be able to run the ball against Pitt? Apparently we are. Um, you know, C.J. Donaldson, you know, a lot of chunk plays um, account, you know, to account for that, like a lot of breakaway yardage. Um, but those yards count too, right? Those are the plays that were missing from our running game last year. So it was nice to see us do that against really a, you know a heralded defensive front really heralded defense you know i think that's worst case scenario that's one of the top 20 defenses in the country overall and probably one of the two or three best defensive fronts will play will play this year so the fact that we went out and, and were able to gash them the way we were was encouraging and then yeah i mean dude i'm, I'm just sitting in my seat halfway through our, our first drive smiling because jt is just it's just like holy shit like he's good we have a quarterback oh my god 
you know, and just the, the feeling of relief of like having a guy who can stand in there and maneuver and make throws doesn't panic. It was just like, Oh my God, this is, I forgot what this felt like. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of really, really, uh, I'd say good. I think both offenses in general actually played better than I expected them to, but definitely, um, yeah, we're, we're much improved offensively. I, I, I say that confidently. Yeah. I mean, just on JT Daniels first, I, I was really impressed. Um, I think that guy is a gamer. Yep. He, you know, stood in there and took some shots, still delivered the ball very accurate. Um, and I was mostly impressed. And, and maybe this is just in contrast to the last couple of years of West Virginia football. I was really impressed with the pocket presence. There were a couple times. I mean, yeah, like you, you mentioned, there's no doubt that this pit front was one of the best we're going to face, if not the best we will face. Um, there were some times that he kind of stepped up into the pocket, which is something, you know, kind of maneuvered around, made that first um, little adjustment and give yourself time to deliver the ball. Yep. Very impressive. Um, I feel really good. I'm excited to watch this guy play against uh, the rest of the defenses we get to play this year. No shit, man. Yeah, no, I mean, so Pitt, 22 pressures, which is a lot, right? Right on par with what we, you know, kind of what we've said all summer that we would expect from them. But until that last drive, only one sack, right? So clearly, you know, they're getting they're getting around him, but he's he's either getting the ball out or he's, he's yeah, like you said, a little, little step up, a little step to the side um, where, you know, maybe in the past we would have seen a little bit of a fetal position. So, um, definitely think that's definitely think that's encouraging, man. Uh, you know, I, I, the one thing I'll say about the pass protection, those two sacks on the last drive, um, uh, run, running backs responsible. I felt like, I don't know when I was, I didn't realize it in the moment, but watching the game back, there were, um, I think at least one Tony Mathis just w- walked right by the guy, you know, a blitzing linebacker. And then, um, so, uh, uh, I think it might've been him the second time as well. So definitely need to get that cleaned up. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we got a quarterback. We got a quarterback. Yeah, yeah and I, I think we mentioned it talking in the preview about, you know, I was interested as the game wore on, if our offensive line would be able to protect. Um, it was one of those situations in those final drive of the game where you knew we were passing, you know, the pass rushers are, are pinning their ears back and you know, you know what play is coming more or less. So, you know, I think that was to be expected. Pitt was as advertised in the front and uh, really solid. Um, so yeah, I do want to kind of talk about CJ Donaldson for a second because... Uh, I wouldn't say he came out of nowhere. There was a little bit of buzz, but this guy's a freshman. Touched the ball seven times on the ground, 125 yards. Blocks a punt. They reward him giving the ball on the next play in for a touchdown. Um, Do you think he – it was just one game, and he did only touch the ball seven times and, you know, big chunk plays. But do you think he sort of put put a front nose out there to, to kind of, you know, be the main back for this offense? Uh, certainly. I mean, I think he was out there for what, 15 snaps. I think he certainly is out there for, for more, for more than that next week. Right. Um, you know, I was just talking about the Tony Mathis pass protection. I know Donaldson's one out there for, uh, near as many snaps, but, um, you know, if you look at his PFS pass blocking, pass blocking grade, it was, you know, I think, uh, in the, in the eighties. So I, I think, uh, you know, he clearly took care of business on the, on the few plays that he needed to. Um, I, I distinctly remember one where he stepped up and picked up, um, picked up like two guys, you know, him and him and the tackle combined and, and stonewalled three guys kind of rushing off the right edge. Um, uh, I can't remember what point in the game, but just in my rewatch member, remember being like, Oh man, he can do that too. You know? So I think it's, it's going to be, I don't think it's maybe going to be this week, but I think if he keeps, you know, he's going to keep giving reasons where it's like, why the hell aren't we just, you know, mm-hmm. 
Like, I feel like right now it's almost a thing where, well, Tony Mathis has waited his turn and and he's been good. And Tony Mathis actually, you know, aside from the pass protection, I thought he ran the ball yeah. um, reasonably well. Didn't didn't have quite as much um, pop as maybe I expected him to, but still, you know, made a couple guys miss. Um, and, and yeah, had some good chunk plays. Uh, what I think he averaged, he ended up with what, like 4.5, five yards, somewhere between four and a half and five yards of carry. So definitely had an effective night considering Pitt, Pitt, you know, allowed like two and a half yards of carry last year with, uh, with the same defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, shit, if he's going to keep making plays like this, we, we, you know, are, why wouldn't we keep giving him the ball? I think, you know, he got, you said seven touches. I, I think that that should be the minimum against Kansas. Yeah, he's still labeled on PFF as a tight end. I mean, he's a he's a football player. He's a positionless guy. He's like the dream on green of football. Um, so, yeah, I think Mathis actually, yeah, I think Mathis played well um, considering. But, yeah, the spark you got from Donaldson was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so next guy on the offense kind of to, to bring up is Bryce Ford Wheaton. And, you know, obviously there is the one play that is just, it's. I mean, it's kind of just unlucky. I, I don't feel... Um, it was a kind of a routine catch. It was the corner was so far off him. If the corner oh, was wide like open, yeah, on tight coverage, that ball just flies over everyone's head, whatever. The corner, he beat the man so well. Um, and the corner was so frozen that he was like five yards back and the ball popped up right into his hand. So, um, but I think the, the larger perspective on Bryce Ford Wheaton, if you take this play away, is he did take a significant step up. I think he was targeted 16 times. Um, so if you have gripes with Bryce Ford Wheaton, you, you better get over him quickly because I think he is going to be a focal point of this offense. Yeah. Um, Sam James was targeted eight. Nobody else was targeted more than four, um, of those 16 targets, nine catches, two touchdowns. They weren't afraid to throw the fade. I think you highlighted it exactly. Like throw it over big guy versus a small corner. They were not afraid to use that. Um, especially on a rewatch, Bryce Ford Wheaton made so many plays. The the third down on the final drive of the first half. Yeah, a huge play. Yeah, because if that gets intercepted, yeah. If, yeah, if that gets intercepted, Pitt goes up two scores before halftime, then who knows what that game looks like, right? So, um, yeah, I thought it was his best game as a Mountaineer. You know, I think it's probably either that or Iowa State would be the two that you would look at. But I just think in terms of the, uh, you know, the uh, stage um, – and he really did show up. And man, I think, you know, even JT, by the way, JT's post game press conference, if you haven't listened to it, you should, because awesome. what a leader of men. Um, really? But, but kind of said, you know, it was just a fluke play. He's like, if I throw a thousand of those balls to Bryce, that happens maybe one time. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, it happened that time. And, <clears throat> you know, the, the part that happened after it happened. And, you know, it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be a big test of, I guess his mental mental fortitude can he get over it, but I really hope that he can. I, I know Neil defended him in the post game too, said he played his ass off, yeah. and he really did. And we we need him to be that level of a player for us all year, and I think he has it in him, you know. And so hopefully he's able to shake that off and, and come out and really just uh, just you know kind of move past it this week against Kansas with another big game. Totally agree. He was a top five Mountaineer on the field on Thursday night. Um, At least, like yeah. Said, c- countless plays, you know catching the touchdowns, nine catches, but the bailout play on third and long on the drive in the end of the half, um, the maybe targeting, maybe not play on the final drive of the game, you know, an insane catch. Uh, I think he made a tackle on special teams too. Yeah, Yeah. took a dude's head off inside. That was on the, I think it was on the punt um, that, you know, maybe should have gone for it, maybe not. Just takes the Mm. dude's head off inside the 10. Um, So Bryce Ford Wheaton, excellent game. It's it's a damn shame what happened, um, but I, yeah, I think 
I was really encouraged, like you said, from JT Daniels post game. I think great leader. I think this team's going to move past it. And big shades of 2017, you lose a back and forth um, rivalry game to Virginia Tech, and you go and throttle your next three opponents. Um, you got Kansas, Towson, and Virginia Tech, who just lost to Old Dominion. Um, yeah, I mean, you can just make a statement and, and get this thing right back on track. Yeah, yeah, definitely opportunities for pick-me-ups. You go out and, yeah, definitely beat Kansas. Kansas team that's riding high. We'll get into that in a little bit. But um, defensively, defensive front looked fantastic. I thought they got a little tired towards the end, which, you know, we we hear a lot about the depth all summer again, and I don't think that that many guys played. I think the starters played a lot. That kind of caught up to us towards the end of the game. Um, The secondary, uh, a little, you know, we had kind of talked ourselves into the, to the floor, um, you know, being a, a, an above average unit, right? But that was <laughs> that was built around the idea that Charles Woods was going to be an elite cornerback out there. And we saw, you know, with him him going down, um, you know, a li- little, little shaky for the last three quarters of the game. A lot of space out there, a lot of missed tackles, a lot of poor angles. Um, so definitely need to get that cleaned up. Um, you know, again, I thought, I thought Pitt's receivers actually looked better than I expected them to. I don't think any of them was Jordan Addison. Um, just in terms of explosiveness, but you know, Jared Wayne, Bub Means, Bub Means looks like a player, man. Um, and Kanate Mumfield looked awesome, yeah. So um, Keaton Slovis, I mean, they, yeah, that I would be shocked if they don't win the Coastal again. I don't know if they'll be if they'll beat Clemson um, again this year because they aren't going to see him till the ACC championship. I think we said we they, that they missed him on their schedule, but I expect Pitt to 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 be back in that game this year. Um, Oh, yeah, and considering some of the performances we saw from the ACC this weekend, um, both UNC and NC State struggling with uh, little brothers in the state of North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, Pitt looked way more impressive than pretty much any ACC team I've seen uh, this weekend. I was thinking about that watching a lot of games this weekend, man. Actually, my buddies and I were texting about it is, is like, Jesus, like, I feel... You know, like there, if we play the way we did Thursday night, we we beat 110 out of the 130 teams in FBS. You know what I mean? Um, like our our game, it looked like there was there were mistakes made, execution errors, things like that. But it looked like a real football game with the athletes running around out on the field. Um, you know, and there were a lot of games this weekend where I was just like, Jesus, this is like these are P5 teams out here. <laughs> like That's like totally I, Iowa against uh, what's South Dakota State. Directional seven, Dakota. Seven, yeah, seven, three with two safeties. I mean, you know, it's whatever. But yeah, overall, man, I, you know, I, I feel way better about our offense than I did last year. Um, defense, we'll see what happens with the secondary. Uh, you know, I think – Charles Woods, it didn't seem like a serious injury from what I've read online. It sounds like maybe just a sprained ankle. So hopefully, you know, he, he can kind of take his time getting back over the next couple of weeks and it shouldn't be a big deal considering the opponents, the quality of opponents coming up. Um, you know, I'd like to see Her- Hershey McLaurin. I thought kind of popped athletically when I was rewatching the game. Like he was one of the dudes, you know, a couple of dudes maybe looked a step off the pace of the fit receivers, but it felt like he was closing on guys. Um, so I wonder if maybe, that's something that our coaches look at on tape and are like, man, we need to, even if it's not a free safety, you know, cause Aubrey Burks played. Okay. Um, need to figure out a way to get, to get Hershey out on the field somehow. Yeah. And you know, I think this will be a segue to talking about the fourth down decision, but you know, one thing big to note is we did lose Charles Woods pretty early in the game with the injury or, you know, hobbled him up. And then, um, Ajayi gets ejected on the first, um, 
or uh, McCor- McCormick. The McCormick who got ejected. Yeah, like yeah. in the on the right at the beginning of the ninety-two yard drive or whatever. So you're down yeah. already two big guys in the secondary. Um, yeah, just on the defense, Dante Stills, awesome game. Awesome game. Bartlett really impressed me as well. Look uh, great, Bartlett, man. Dude Bartlett brings it Bowery games. Spring. Yeah, yeah. He, he had big if, spring, so. Brother, if we can get that out of the bandit consistently, and I know that's what we said after Virginia Tech last year when he had the three sacks, but if we get that version of Bartlett uh, for 12 games this year, then the defense looks a little different, you know? So I agree. So, okay, so – I think this is the last or the main the main last thing I want to talk about this pick game. Yep. Um, the fourth down decision. Just yep. curious what you thought of the the whole situation and how so, Neil handled it as well. Um, so in the moment, I wanted to go for it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for, for all the reasons that uh, you have been highlighted in the three days since, man. You know, uh, you have Donaldson, 6'2", 240, who literally hadn't been stopped one time the entire game. It was fourth in a foot, maybe – Maybe being generous. Yeah. And we're on their 47 or 48 yard line. And, you know, um, you can't predict they're going to go 92 yards and tie it. Um, But if we don't get it in that situation, maybe that's what happens anyways. Right. So, you know, I think analytics wise, there wasn't a a huge difference in expected win percentage based on decision, maybe like 10 percent or something like that. Right. Where, um, you know, you punt and I think we were somewhere in the 80s. And if you go for it and don't get it. Then it was like in the 70s somewhere. 75, yeah. 75, yeah. So so analytics-wise, I understand the decision. Um, but I just think at some point, man, you know, like people have been talking about that Holgerson uh, with a two-point in Texas where it's just like, you want to go win, win the game? Let's go win the fucking game, right? Yeah. And that was an opportunity for Neil to, to kind of cowboy the fuck up and say, we've been beating the shit out of this defensive line for the entire half. Let's go out and win the game. Uh, we didn't do it, and but... You know, we we still had chances, right? And and so, in the moment, I wanted to I wanted to go. Uh, I understand why he didn't. Um, him doubling down in the post game and the reasoning that he gave, where he's like, if it was three minutes versus six, then maybe it's a different decision. But man, I don't know. I just feel like y- you get that foot, and even if you don't get another first down, you're still up seven with three and a half minutes to go. Yep. You know, and so. Um, medium case scenario, you kick a field goal, you're up 10 with three and a half minutes to go. Best case scenario, you just go down and you're up two scores with three minutes to go. So, mm-hmm. um, or two touchdowns. So I, you know, I don't know what, do, what were your thoughts? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess before my thoughts, just, uh, a recap of what, uh, quote the analytics say. Um, yep. so going for it and I, I don't believe this model accounts for, I think anything under a yard is just considered a yard. So they said 69% of success percent chance of success. I'd say it was probably even a little higher than that. Um, Cause it was a, it was a foot. It was nine inches. I mean, it was, yeah. it was really close. Yeah. Um, so they say percent at, at the time, um, the percent chance, uh, win probability for West Virginia, if they did not get it was 75%. If they do get it 86%. And, you know, you do have a, a pretty good grip on the game with the punt. If you just go for the punt, it's an 81 percent win probability. That punt went really well. That's about as good of a punt as you can hope, I think, down to the seven or eight. Um, so the the um, the model that makes this call and if you don't follow it on Twitter, it's a really fun account to follow. It's A.I. Sports underscore fourth. That's the college football fourth down bot. And it tweets out every time there's a, a you know, a decent 
opportunity to make these kinds of decisions. Um, before the delay of game, they did recommend to go for it, uh, 1.7% win probability difference. What I will say, that's not a huge difference. That's not a massive difference. Um, I, I can see both sides of the coin. Personally, I would go for it. I think Neil Brown is a little too conservative. I think everything in, call, in, in sports analytics and football analytics tells you that coaches are not aggressive enough. We see this in the NFL on two-point conversions. We see this on fourth downs. Teams are not, not aggressive enough, or most teams are not aggressive enough. Neil Brown has kind of demonstrated that he is not going to be this overly aggressive play caller. He's going to protect the defense. You know, We know these things about Neil. I wish he would have gone for it. I, I think it was more the right call, but um, you know, Straw lays a, a pretty nice punt down there. I'm pretty sure Bryce Ford Wheaton was the one who made the tackle. Like, you know, we cover this thing up well. And all things considered, you still have 92 yards to protect. Um yep. and, and you get them to third down on the on the very first uh set of down. So I think Neil doubling down on it in the presser, he was full of emotions in the presser. He was he, he was, was heated, man. He which was I, I don't blame him. Hot. I don't blame him. Yeah, oh, hot, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he so, was just even like, I don't mean to be an asshole up here, but like he like yeah. he answered like the three questions that were definitely gonna be asked before even anybody had a chance to ask him. You know? like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't want the coach thinking about it. It stinks that he's like, All right, I know you're gonna ask me on the fourth down thing. Well, it's like well, if you already knew this was a controversial thing and no people tell you you're not aggressive enough, like I get all of that. Like I said, I would have gone for it. I don't think it's an egregious enough thing that I am like, Neil made the absolute worst wrong call. Um, I would have preferred to gone for it. The analytics prefer go for it, but we didn't. And the one, the last thing I'll say, um, and this is this is an idea I've subscribed to before, because uh, Azza made this point on on twenty four seven some point over the last two days. Um, but it's an it's an idea that I've subscribed to over the last couple of years because it's been prevalent in the in the you know sports podcasting community. Is you know don't do the thing that your opponent wants you to do, right? And on fourth and eight inches at that they point in the game, it. Pitt did not did not want us to go for it. Nope. Right? Nope. Pitt was when we tried to the punt team out there, Pitt. You know, the, the 50,000 pit fans in that stadium exhaled. And then, yep. you know, their assholes were a little bit tight there when we were kind of making up our minds. Because, exactly. yeah. And so, you know, that I'm not saying that should be the rule of thumb, but like it's don't do the thing that your opponent wants you to do. They sure as shit didn't want us to line CJ Donaldson up and, and hand him the ball straight up the middle at that point in the game. Yep, and hindsight's hindsight's perfect because if Dante Stills makes a sack on third down and they're punting out of their own end zone back to you with four and a half minutes left, it it's was a great call. Great call. Um, yep. So you know, don't be too reactionary with that take. I think is for everyone is is you know, I think both options were fine. I would prefer to go for it, but whatever, it didn't work out, and uh, it wasn't the reason we won or lost the game. It, it could have been the reason we won the game, but it wasn't the reason we lost the game. Correct. Um, Correct. So, so it is what it is um th those are my grievance grievances and thoughts you got anything else on the pit game or you want to you want to wrap it for that yeah man let's wrap it let's do a quick um that went a little longer than i think we expected it to but hey emotions run high let's do a quick uh so big 12 recap let's i think suffice it to say that um every other team won so the big 12 won nine and one over the weekend i want to say that the best opponent of anybody else was maybe colorado or central michigan so you know nothing mm -hmm. nothing really notable there uh, but everybody else took care of business. Um, and then, yeah, let's get into a, a precap, Big 12 precap. What do we, I think the biggest one is Alabama, Texas, right? 
Yeah, there, there's some enticing games on the Big 12 schedule this week. Um, last week, nothing too interesting except us. Uh, TCU handled Colorado, which was like maybe the, the most concerning matchup. Um, so everyone, 9-1, and one, sorry guys, but uh, we also did play the only only respectable team that week. Um, so next week, on at noon, uh, you get Texas-Bama. Uh, this is at Texas. Bama is opening as a 19-point favorite. Uh, welcome to college football, Quinn take, Ewers. Take Bama and the points. Yeah, right I now. Know. I would also win <laughs> that way. Um, I would, unless Bijan goes crazy. There's um, no way. That is, that is a death sentence for Texas. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of fun games next Saturday. Uh, after, or also at noon, we got K-State at home versus Missouri. Um, you know, they're going to be favorites there, K-State, eight and a half right now. Missouri and SEC team, that could be fun. Um, and that's also kind of a regional rivalry. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So good one there. Former Texas, Big 12 matchup. Yeah, yep, lots of history there. Then you got Texas Tech at home versus Houston. That could be a blast at four o'clock. Houston's ranked twenty fourth. Um, Escaped, uh, let's say, against UTSA. I know. I think triple OT. Dana was happy with that one. Um, that's going to be a fun game, a future Big Twelve game. Two and a half right now to Texas Tech. That's on four o'clock, or at four o'clock. Also at four o'clock, the uh, the classic Iowa State versus Iowa. Um, Iowa looked Atrocious. unbelievably bad on offense. Atrocious. Um, laughably bad. Iowa State can never beat Iowa as of recently. So And it's um, it's at it's at uh it's it's in Iowa, right? Yeah, so, it's in Kinnick. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's a fun one. Um I'm not seeing a line for that one yet. West Virginia takes on Kansas at six PM. Is that right? I thought the game was at Oh PM. yeah. No, okay, six. six PM. Yep, little West nighttime Virginia. game. Twilight. West Virginia, yeah. Good good time of day. Uh, get your tailgating in, but not too late. Um, so that'll be the only Big 12 Big Twelve matchup of the week. Oklahoma takes on Kent State. Don't expect problems there. Oklahoma State takes on Arizona State um, in Stillwater. Oklahoma State probably will be heavily favored there. TCU takes on Tarleton. Should be no problem. And then another really good game. Baylor has to travel to Provo. 10 o'clock BYU 10 o'clock East 10 15 Eastern. Um, so if you can stay up, that might be a really fun game. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably the most interesting one for me. Um, you know, I don't expect Texas to, to put up too much of a fight against Bama. Um, I think what, what was the other one? Te- Texas tech Houston. That, that one's probably going to be a good time, but I, I think, yeah, Baylor, Baylor, BYU, super interesting because, um, you know, I, I took the under on Baylor, and so this is one of the games that I had them losing. So good litmus test for for kind of my perceptions of them, and and for, uh, you know, they were the preseason media favorite. Like, are they actually that good? Or because if they are that good, then this is a game they should win, right? Yeah, yep. This is a game that they're going to be probably slightly favored, though. I have BYU right now as ranked twenty fifth to Baylor at tenth um, in Provo. Tough place to play. I think Baylor will be maybe a couple point favorite here. I'd say. Points. Less than a touchdown, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so we have two future Big 12 matchups, Houston Tech and BYU-Baylor. Um, so I think a good week, a lot better than this week for Big 12 if you're ready to start watching some Big 12 teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a perfect segue. So we are playing the Kansas Jayhawks this week. Um, so let's get into a little bit of a Kansas preview. Um, you want to set the stage, Jordan? Yeah, man. So Kansas, uh, Kansas last week, uh, well, last weekend, uh, what was it? Friday. I don't, I don't, I think, I think Friday night played Tennessee tech and 
handled their business the way that you would expect a Power Five team to handle their business against the three and eight FCS FCS team. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I say that in jest. That's not something Kansas has always done. So, um, you know, I think we we've talked about them a lot this off season as as still being Kansas, but being a little friskier than usual. And they certainly. Um, they certainly looked looked that part, uh, you know, against Tennessee Tech. Um, so they're going to be coming in riding high, one and zero. I think they play us, and then they have Duke. And you know, I mean, shit, it would be wild if they hit the over over two and a half before the end of uh, September. But I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I see that happening. Um, but yeah, what, what, what what's your uh, what's your set the scene for for Kansas? You know, I'm trying not to take any stock in the Tennessee Tech um game because no three yeah, eight this, last year trash. this is a team that finished near the bottom of the ohio valley conference right. right for several years you know this is a bad team um but it's funny enough to say that this is an improvement for kansas to handle business against like a really bad team and just like get out of there and not sweat um so whatever i mean like i don't think this says kansas is great but this says at least they can they can uh play play at a pretty normal fbs level um so so there you go you know i think from the west virginia perspective uh, this is a game that you really hope, um, you know, you get the crowd involved a little bit early. It's the first game in Morgantown of the year. You get back on schedule and you don't even let this thing get into the third quarter and be interesting. Um, you hope everyone's, you know, leaving it in the end of the third or mid third. Cause um, I, I hope that everything that's going to culminate out of the, the pit game is, is, you know, this is your bounce back week. This is your get it out get back everything that you you want and show that you, you know that's that don't let that game beat you twice um for sure man go go one and know in the conference right i mean it's not just yeah. kansas this is a this is a big 12 opponent so you know go one and know in the conference i imagine i don't think there's been any other big 12 one big 12 games that puts us top of the table baby yeah first in the conference first in the conference after after the friday round which you know hey you, you, you take what you can get it's but, a game, uh, yeah, you mean if you if you want to have any, you know, chance of competing in the middle of the top of the Big 12, you know, nobody fools around with Kansas. You got to get them done unless you're in Texas. Um, so, yeah, just handle business. This is a game that, yeah, Kansas might be fun. They might be frisky. They might be improved. West Virginia is the much better team. And uh, that should not be that should not be lost on on our team. Um, if we so. play anything with anything approaching the effort level that we played with last thursday it should not be a problem yeah yeah agreed okay so do you want to highlight some offensive players for kansas um for sure i imagine we have two of the three but i'll let you i'll let you bat lead off there okay i'll go jalen daniels which is the obvious um i think the the most fun player on the kansas team um he wears number six he is the quarterback and he had some success at the end of last year um so you know, kind of riding high. There was definitely the optimism over the off season. He did just fine against Tennessee tech 15 of 18. Um, you know, he's, mo- he's mobile. It'll be interesting to see, has he improved? Is he a real difference maker or is he another Kansas quarterback? Um, that is like a distinction of, you know, will you jump in and not be the worst quarterback in the, the league this year? So Jalen Daniels is definitely somebody who, who could make some plays and, and could be annoying for this defense uh, if you if you let him you know have time to throw or let him use his legs on you. Um, so I'll send it to you now. For I'm sure, sure you had the same one. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Jalen Jalen was my first. Yeah, he immediately elevated their offense last year when he uh, 
when he uh, took over the starting job, I think, uh, I want to say end of October, early November, um, you know, they were predictably last in pretty much every major category uh, into into that period of time. And then they actually, for the last month of the season, third in scoring in the Big 12, uh, sixth in total offense. So, you know, he took them from from absolute uh, dumpster fire to, you know, middle of the road, which is which is saying something. Um, you know, talk about the quality of opponents. They played Texas and TCU in that stretch who both had, you know, among the worst defenses in Power 5 last year. But still, you know, really, really good player. Um, you know, the one thing I saw is kind of weird is uh, he had some ball security issues against Tennessee Tech, threw a pick, had a fumble, um, which were things that he he didn't do in his three games last year. So it'll be interesting to see if you know, which, which small sample size is indicative of the player that he actually is, right? Is he, is he the guy last year who was just making plays and taking care of the ball? Or is he going to be the guy against Tennessee Tech who is going to make some plays, but is also going to give the other team some opportunities to take it away? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, awesome, awesome dual threat quarterback. I think you could argue probably the second best, second best returning quarterback in the conference, uh, behind Mm -hmm. Spencer Sanders. So, um, really good player. Um, go to the, go to our second dudes. Yeah. Um, I'll, so first or second dude I have for Kansas offense to highlight is Devin Neal. Um, yep. he wears the number four, uh, kind of weird. They used five different running backs against Tennessee tech. Once again, I'm trying not to take any stock in this game. So this is more of like, just from what we knew coming into the preseason. Um, he only got four touches and he had 108 yards and two touchdowns. So played, played 10 snaps. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the guy like might've broken a sweat last week. Um, but Devin Neal is is really like the the returning production guy on the ground um, who got most of the carries. He had four and a half uh, yards per carry last year and no fumbles. So, you know, good ball security work there. Um, Devin Neal is probably going to be a big part of their success if they can find some in the running game. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good player. Had a, I mean, had a 75.6 PFF grade last year, which is which is well above average i mean that's that's a very good grade and i think it was a true freshman so um you know we expected him to come back and lead this backfield i thought um you know kind of all the things that we said in our in our deep dive over the summer kind of bore again tennessee tech but you know savion morrison looked good uh kai thomas looked looked decent right where you know you're kind of feel like kansas really leveled up their skill positions um with some good transfers this year on both sides of the ball which which we'll get into but Devin Neal's definitely still RB1, um, and he he looked the part uh, last weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they do with some of these transfers they have coming. I think Sevion Morrison from Nebraska, he had looked really touches. Good. Kai yeah. Thomas, Minnesota. So, yeah, um, definitely filling out this roster. I mean, you you look at this Kansas roster, and it's a, looking like a somewhat P5 roster in, in at least a lot of positions groups. Um, so number three, three guy I have on the Kansas offense is Luke Grimm. Um, he is the top performing receiver from last year. He wears number 11. Um, only two catches in game one, like I said, kind of whatever. Um, not not really a, a big target receiver, six foot 190. Um, so he is the guy I am highlighting. Last year, he was targeted 31 times, 22 catches, three touchdowns. Um, so basically just looking here, QB1, RB1, receiver one for my yeah. highlight guys. For sure. Yeah. If somebody's going to make big plays in the passing game, uh, and he's definitely a leading candidate to be that guy. Right. Um, I think they only threw the ball like 19 times against Tennessee. They only took like 49 offensive snaps and scored 55 points. So, um, <laughs> you know, um, so for, for mine, I picked uh, center Mike Nowitzki. Um, so 
you know, I, I just mentioned, I, f- I feel like Kansas kind of leveled up their skill positions, but the line uh, is an area where they don't really, you know, they have transfers uh, providing depth, but they returned four of their five starters from last year. And, the, and it wasn't a very good group last year. Um, but Mike Nowitzki, highest graded returner, um, played okay against Tennessee Tech. Um, you know, he's going to be the guy who who is lining up opposite Dante Stills, Jordan Jefferson. Um, and, you know, as the center, I feel like if, if Kansas's offensive line is going to take the step forward that they need them to, to be, you know, more than the 10th best team in this conference, then, you know, you, you'd figure the center is probably is going to be the guy who leads them to the promised land. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Nothing nothing super notable about him, but I, but I kind of feel like um, – Offensive line is 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 going to be super critical for for their development as a team this year. So I just wanted to, to throw one of those guys out there. Center felt appropriate. I think that's a good. I think that's a good call. Um, you know, I think I saw lots of good things from our defensive front. And if you know they come in and wreak havoc, you know you can't really get on schedule with this offense. So um, yep, good call there. So for my offense, when Kansas has the ball, my matchup to watch is. I said the Kansas running game versus West Virginia's open field tackling. And the reason I said this is I do think, I don't know if it was fatigue or what, but down the stretch, West West Virginia did get a little lazy and lax on some tackling, definitely extended some plays for Pitt. Um, Abana Kanda had that run where I think like four dudes get hands on them. I mean, you know, you got to, got to wrap these guys up. So, um, you know, can, can the front units, West Virginia tackle, Versus can Kansas be slippery and, you know, can they, is, is this a trend or was that a one-off thing? So that is what I'm going to be looking to see, you know, how the, uh, if we can wrap these guys up in space. Yeah, that's, dude, that's a, that's a really good one. Um, so I kind of, I, I cheated, I wrote down too. Um, one of them's kind of in that vein, linebackers versus Jalen, Jalen Daniels in the, in the, yeah, both the design run game and in the scrambling game. Um, you know, he's, uh, we've kind of said very, very good dual threat quarterback. Um, it's probably going to be on the linebackers to get them on the ground linebackers, maybe the spear. Um, so can they do that? And then the second one, you know, just with as, as shaky as the defensive backs, uh, were against Pitt. Um, I, I really do. I expect us to dominate them up front. Um, I, I you know, skill talents, one thing, but I, I feel like trenches on both sides of the ball is an area where kind of Kansas lags behind the rest of the conference. Uh, so I expect us to dominate them up front. And the one way that a team like that, when they're losing the battle up front stays in a game as big plays in the passing game. Um, so can we, can we prevent that? You know, can we stop explosive passing plays? Can we get guys on the ground when they catch the ball? Um, so I think those are kind of the two things that I'm going to watch very, very honestly, kind of the same vein. Can we, can we tackle guys before they go score touchdowns? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely it's a little frustrating there down the stretch this week. I feel like we left a lot out there or gave them a lot that, you know, um, you're For hoping sure. we would sure up. So um, I think that's a good call. Okay, so flipping the field, West Virginia with the ball. We're looking at the Kansas defense. Um, so my first guy to highlight, Lonnie Phelps, number 47, um, an edge rusher from Miami, Ohio. I think there was definitely some buzz around him at the beginning of the year. For sure. And as much as you don't want to take too much credit or too much weight into this first game, uh, he balled out only 26 snaps. He had four pressures, three sacks. Three sacks in a game, I mean, that's against anybody it's pretty impressive um he's 6'3 245 um so you know kind of a a smaller build for an edge guy but um yeah definitely gonna be interesting to see if uh he also had six stops in tackling so it's gonna be interesting to see how we handle a guy like that 
For sure. Yeah. So he, he was my first guy as well. Um, and yeah, we, we highlighted him over the summer because obviously with them losing Kyron Johnson, um, you're looking for somebody who can step in and you know, provide that productivity off the edge. Certainly seems like he's going to kind of be the guy that we thought he was uh, out of Miami, Ohio last year. Um, I had written down, so he had a 96.4 overall uh, defensive grade, which was the Insane. second highest overall grade of any player in the country over the first two weeks. Um, some cornerback from Baylor had a 99 on like 10 snaps, but um, he played as well as anybody in the country last week against Tennessee Tech. Um, and and to your point about, uh, you know, the, the right tackle issues, um, 16 of his 26 were uh, from from either a left edge or a left outside linebacker position. So that would be attacking our right tackle. So, yeah, mm. definitely a, uh, you know, spoiler. That's that's kind of my critical matchup uh, when we have the ball. So, yeah, um, definitely something to watch. I think I think that's a good call out because um, I don't know if you have the same interpretation, but from watching the game, it definitely feels like we have four offensive linemen we feel really good about. And then we have three dudes to fill that last spot. Um, you know, we had an injury. You know, that's going to be maybe the, yeah. maybe the the soft spot of the O-line. So, um, you know, see how we're going to handle this guy. Hopefully he's the you know, it's a little different where Pitt kind of you have to respect everybody on that line. Um I think yep. maybe a little different situation with Kansas. He's he's the dude. They only had 13 pressures against Tennessee Tech. He had he had four of them. So I think only only one other guy had more than one. So yeah. Yep. Cool. Okay. Second guy I got on the Kansas defense is Kenny Logan Jr. Um, this guy is he has experience. He's played over 1,200 snaps at Kansas, um, and he is a safety. He wears the number one. Um, he was All Big 12 in the preseason. And last year, he had a 76.2 defensive grade PFF. That is really solid. Um, He played 45 snaps over the weekend. So I think Kenny Logan is going to be probably the the best guy they have back there in the secondary. Yeah, man. Third-year starter. Um, I think he's a a three-level playmaker. If you want to – what did you say? 45 snaps. I want to say like 19 of them were in the box. You know, a couple of them are going to be a free safety. A couple of them are going to be in the slot. Like, you know, he's a guy who they line up all over the place because um, he just makes plays, man. He uh, he was the top tackler last year in power five among safeties, like literally 119 tackles last year. So, you know, he's a guy who, for for better or, wor- for better or worse, he's the guy making a lot of the tackles for them. Um, also a contributor on special teams, pretty good punt and kick returner. Um, so, yeah, just, I you know, I think over the summer I, I said he was the best player on the team. Um Probably, probably still, probably still think that really good football player. Yeah, great football player, and um, you know, one thing to West Virginia's talked about the targets that you know really only two guys got more than four targets. Um, you know, if he's able to take somebody away, um, you really got to find some depth in that receiving room, some contributors all around. So um, he could play a big role in this game. Um, the third guy I have for the Kansas defense is Taiwan Berryhill. And uh, maybe this is putting some stock into the Tennessee Tech game, uh, but also just kind of getting a guy from each of the three levels. Um, he's a linebacker, wears number six. And uh, he played the most snaps uh, versus Tennessee Tech. He played 47 snaps and uh, had a pretty solid game, uh, 78 PFF grade. Um, so going to be interesting to see how he handles over the middle and uh, if he wants to tackle C.J. Donaldson, because I would not like to do that. <laughs> yeah no it doesn't, doesn't seem like anybody liked it too much last weekend so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll be interesting to watch that um so my, my my third guy was was from the second level as well uh i picked craig young 
Uh, so he's going to be wearing number 15. Um, transfer from Ohio State. Uh, played 138 snaps for Ohio State last year. Had like a 72 PFF grade. Um, played 42 snaps for um, for Kansas against Tennessee Tech. Had a 71 grade. Made made four tackles, uh, three stops. So um, he's going to be a good player for them. Um, you know, has that Ohio State pedigree. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I yeah, I just feel like another example of them of them adding talent to a to a position that needed it. Um, you know, I think if their if their defense is going to take a step forward this year, he's going to play a big role. So, um, mm-hmm. need to need to get hats on him uh, this Saturday. That's a good point. Um, so for my matchup, the uh, when West Virginia has the ball, I, I wrote one down, but I'm actually going to change it. My matchup to watch is the passing game. Um, just versus the Kansas coverage. I think West Virginia is significantly better um, and talent-wise. And I'm kind of thinking, I, what I had written down was the O-line versus the D-line. But I think that our O-line is better than this defensive line. And, um, you know, when you watch a team sort of overpower another team just from an offense, like from a line perspective, I, I kind of am interested. I want to see this offense fly against a, a mediocre defense. Um, see what what JT and uh, the receiving room has in store. So I would really like to see us go out and throw for 280 yards in the first half and and really just kind of flex what we have in the passing game. I'd, I'd be down with that. Um, and yeah, you know, to to our earlier Lonnie Phelps point, I already gave the spoiler. Uh, to, to to you know, it, to allow that to happen, we can't let him wreck the game, right? Like he's the one guy in their front six who. Um, I think seems capable of, of just absolutely, you know, maybe dominating his one-on-one matchup. Um, like I said, 16 of his 26 snaps were, were going to be over right tackle uh, last week against Tennessee tech, you know, considering that's the weakness of our offensive front. I, I would expect that Kansas's coaches know that and probably put him on that side a good bit just to see if he can win that battle and, and uh, create some negative plays. So, um, you know, I don't know, maybe you, maybe you see if, um, I guess I don't know how bad Jordan White got hurt, um, first of all. But but maybe you see if you can handle him one-on-one, and, a, and then if you can't, then we just need to make sure we either have you know Michael Laughlin or, or have the running back chipping on that side pretty much every time. But, um, yeah, I need to make sure that guy doesn't, doesn't fuck our game up. That's, that's kind of the matchup I, that I see as the key. Yeah, I'd love to see some growth on the right side of the line yep. there and just kind of, you know, sure up some, some stuff there. Yeah, man. Um, so... This weekend, the line for this game opened at 12. It has already moved to 13 in favor of your Mountaineers. Um, you have any thoughts on that line? Does that feel right to you? For sure. Actually, I think I even saw one that was up at like 16 and a half. Um, so, yeah. No, I think, you know, you, you look at it at home. Um, you look at the disparity uh, in the in the t- relative talent between the two, li- the two lines. You know, our, our offensive line against their defensive line. Uh, our defensive line against their offensive line. Um, I think I saw the forecast is is questionable. Not going to be, you know, it's not going to be clear skies out there. Um, so if this turns into a game where teams are kind of having to rely rely on running the football to to really kind of make things happen, move the chains, um, I, I definitely see us having an easier time of that against them than they do against us. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, two shit. If we can't beat this team by two touchdowns at home, then maybe we kind of have, have missed the missed the boat with, with where we think we are coming out of that pit game. Yeah, I think back to one of the very first things you said on the pod was, 
if you buy stock in Pitt being good, um, there's a lot of encouraging things to to believe about this team. And and one of those things would be that you take the training wheels off and, you know, you kind of yep. fly against this team. So yep. I think 13 could be a fair number. Um, I, I do think we should. I mean, I, I think we're two or three touchdowns better than this team. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'd love to see, you know, a big statement game come back, put this thing out of reach um before just, you get to the fourth quarter bury him, man and also you know like it's not annoying because it is kansas but it's like some of the like the online stuff that i've read one article in particular uh like a preseason record preview for the big 12 um i might have even put it in our discord channel but it was from a ku writer who predicted who predicted us and Kansas both to go three and nine predicted us as the ninth best team in the big 12. And it's just like, <laughs> don't get too big for your britches now, gang. Like, you know, you're still, you're, you're better for sure. Mm-hmm. You're still fucking Kansas. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if you're familiar with like the lads, it's Tottenham thing, uh, like Sir Alex Ferguson, but like, it's, you know, like it's fucking Kansas. Like just go out and take care of business. Right. Yeah. Just go out and take care of business. Yeah. And it's still, uh, it's still Morgantown, for a night game it's a at six, six o'clock kick. yeah yeah um yeah you're not going to get the same crowd you got at the, the pit game but um yeah it, it's a tough place to come in and, and win a night game and you really hope that you hope like i said i kind of hope things get rolling early the crowd gets into it and yeah you just put your foot on the throttle and, and let this thing go um i feel good i'm you know as much as uh licking your wounds after the loss I, i'm encouraged i'm excited to see big 12 play open up and uh, hopefully you have three very winnable games in a row here. So, you know, get this thing rolling. And you know, so we have Kansas and then Towson and then BT on a Thursday. Um, and that'll bring us into the rest of the year being Big 12. So, yeah, now's the time to, to work the kinks out and, and yeah, just get, get, get the thing back on the tracks. Yeah, man, as much, I mean, again, as much as, as, much as Thursday night hurt uh, based, on, based on the situation, um, you know, I think almost every single Mountaineer fan would have signed up for three and one after four if you had asked them before the season started. So, you know, win these next three decisively, and and we're we're right there heading into what is it? What is it? Texas. So, yep, yep. So yeah, let's go. Let's what do you think uh, sc- score wise? What do you uh, like? You have any sort of prediction you want to throw out? Um, I haven't seen an over under yet. West Virginia scored thirty one on one of the best defenses in the country last year. Um, and left some out there. Left some out there. I, I, maybe this is optimistic. I mean, I think we're hitting the forties. I think forty-five points, forty-two points. No. I think you can lay lay some points down. I think Kansas is sneaky good on offense. I think they're going to score a few times, like a, a few touchdowns. I don't think this is going to be forty-five to nothing, but um, I will say forty-five to twenty-four. But it doesn't feel yeah. that close. That's man. That's the exact number I had. In, I had in my head Four, 45, like 24, 45, 27, something like that. Um, where, yeah, no, you know, where, where, uh, you said 280 passing yards in the first half for JT, but yeah, where it's like a, like a 30, like a 31 to seven at halftime or something like that. Right. Yeah. And it's like, get, get, yeah, get, get, a, get a little breathing room, go out, get two touchdowns in the third quarter and then just, and then just coast it out to the, to the win. Yeah, I think I need my anxiety levels watching Mountaineer sports to like taper down the next couple of weeks. I think I got them all out on on Thursday, so I need like a nice Dude, know, that was a waxing game. <laughs> that was an experience, man. <laughs> I know. I was, it's nothing's worse than when you lose a game like that, and then you realize at the end how like 
tired and exhausted and like drained dude uh dehydrated you are (laughs) we uh yeah like so woke up i i I did like twenty thousand steps on thursday um and then yeah woke up woke up friday drove back we stopped at chick-fil-a in morgantown and like when i opened the car and got out of the car to walk into chick-fil-a like i almost fell over you know it's like (laughs) plus i stood the entire game you know I, i sat down maybe three times um in the entire game so yeah um yeah. Yeah. Tough one for the fans, you know, as well as players. Hey, we're out there. We're out there pouring our heart and soul out, too. Um, but yeah, no, Kansas, we we should handle business this weekend. They're good. They're fine. They're better. Um, not 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 good enough, though. I agree. Yeah. How, how good is it that college football's back? Um, I, I agree with you. I, I think I sat I sat a little bit in the second half during some commercials and stuff. But like if there was a play, you know, I was on my feet the whole time yep. and culmination of of the work week and the traveling and all that getting back to columbus dude saturday i watched college football all day long i ran by game day i did on my morning run i ran through game day in the background in columbus here and i just watched college football like noon to midnight it was awesome i needed to recover yep yep all right man anything else that's all i got um so yeah you can get at us on twitter we're at west by pod with underscores you can get at us on smokingmusket.com. You can get at on our personal Twitters. I'm at WV Stats Guy. He's at Game Day Shorts. And yeah, let's go Mountaineers. We'll get an episode next week out reviewing Kansas, doing a little preview talk on Talzin. Um, yeah, that's all I got. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Yep, let's go. One, two. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.